KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Natural gas prices rose dramatically last month, and state and local leaders want to know why. I'm Matt Hoffman, and this is KPBS Roundtable. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. San Diegans are still feeling the impacts of sky-high natural gas prices in their SDG&E bills. This even as prices have started to come back down. And now state and local officials are demanding investigations into what's behind these rising prices. Joining me to help break down all the latest developments on the energy front are KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson and Rob Nicoleski. He's the energy reporter with the San Diego Union-Tribune. Glad to have both of you gentlemen here back on Roundtable diving into this. So this week, California Governor Gavin Newsom, he sent a letter to federal regulators, and he's asking them to look into whether energy companies have manipulated the energy market in raising these natural gas prices. Rob, this is going to go to you first. Why does the governor think that something like market manipulation could be going on here? Well, the state investor-owned utilities, they've pointed to what they say is a confluence of reasons for the dramatic increase in natural gas commodity prices. And one of the big reasons that they're pointing to is that normally cold weather that caused Californians to crank up their heating units and consume a lot more energy. But in the letter that Governor Newsom sent to the chairman of the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, that's the agency that oversees transmission and wholesale electricity in, across the country, uh, Governor Newsom said, quote, those known factors cannot explain the extent and longevity of the price spikes. So I think that's pretty much getting to the heart of Governor Newsom and a number of other people's concerns that maybe is it the investor-owned utilities that are possibly manipulating something? Is it traders? Is it the market? So I think that's pretty, pretty much the nub of it right now. Hmm. Sounds kind of similar to what he was saying in terms of the gasoline companies. But yes. Eric, the governor here, he's asking for an investigation. But what can federal regulators actually do? Like what sort of power do they have? Well, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission is the agency that does manage uh, the the sale and the transport of natural gas uh, in the country. I, I think that the the big thing for them, and, and you know, the California Public Utilities Commission also in touch with FERC, the big thing for, for federal officials is that they don't know the market. They can compare um, other local and regional market hubs and the activity there. Uh, they should be able to spot whether there's been any kind of price manipulation, um, and it'll be a little bit easier for them uh, to draw conclusions as to what exactly happened this past winter. Hmm. So the governor's making these allegations, you know, he's raising these questions, but Eric, what's been San Diego Gas and Electric, that's SDG&E, what's their response to this? 
Well, their response hasn't been anything really directly related to the natural gas prices because they're not in the business of purchasing the natural gas. They're not responsible for the uh, where that price goes. What they do is they buy the natural gas from Southern California Gas, which is another Sempra subsidiary, and then they pass the cost of that commodity directly through to the customers. So there's no way for San Diego Gas and Electric to really be involved in this price spike other than uh, they're kind of on the front line. So when people open up their bills, they're opening up a San Diego Gas and Electric bill, and their first reaction is, oh my, uh, you know, the utility is responsible for these uh, super high prices that I'm seeing. And, and as you can imagine, San Diego Gas and Electric officials have told me that uh, there are a lot of angry and upset customers who are, who are looking at their bills and seeing those high prices. Rob, you know, the California Public Utilities Commission, that's the CPUC known by most, they held a hearing on Tuesday with power companies and regulators about these natural gas prices. What were some of your takeaways from that meeting? And Eric, feel free to jump in after too. Yeah, a couple of things that jumped out at me was, first of all, that a line that's been down for about a year and a half, taking gas from West Texas into California, that's about to come back up online soon. So that was one thing that jumped out at me. The other thing that jumped out at me was that um, there's been a lot of criticism at SoCal Gas, at directed at SoCal Gas, saying, um, you know, why didn't you have enough natural gas as the ready going into the winter time? And an official from SoCal Gas said during the meeting that they actually had capacity and inventories at five and six year highs, but that the amount that the abnormally cold uh, weather was able to ended up draining a lot and using a lot of the consumption that ended up draining the amount of natural gas that they had. And then the other thing that jumped out at me was that there was, again, kind of a fleeting, indirect idea that was brought up about possible manipulation of the market. You know, there was a Southern California Edison official who said there were a number of, quote, unusual things going on that he thought justified this FERC investigation. So I think there were a lot of potential answers out there, but there wasn't any one real specific thing where you could point out and say, aha, this is the reason why natural gas prices went up so high in the past six weeks or so. Yeah. And I think that one of the other things that uh, also kind of piqued my interest a little bit in listening to uh, the California Public Utilities Commission talk about this issue was the fact that uh, the impact on on the state's different utilities was different depending on where they are. So uh, PG&E had uh, lower rates than San Diego Gas and Electric. And so you, you kind of wonder what happened uh, that, so that there were regional differences. And I think that's one of the things that uh, federal officials uh, will have a look at to see how did the local prices spike up so much? Were there any actors that that contributed uh, to the, that spike, that increase in prices, and how can that be evaluated and regulated in the future? And Eric, you actually talked to the CPUC president, and they said that they don't know all the pieces to the puzzle here. We're talking about these rate hikes. Do we know if there's any efforts to maybe change regulators' role going forward so that they can have more pieces to that puzzle? Well, uh, the thing that you have to understand about the California Public Utilities Commission is, is they don't they don't regulate natural gas prices directly. Now they do 
kind of have this indirect responsibility because so much of the state's electricity is produced by natural gas. So there's an interest there. But the impression that I got from Alice Bushing Reynolds, who's the president of the CPUC, was that she was trying to put all the pieces together. She was trying to understand what the situation was currently, not necessarily with an eye toward, you know, fixing it by the end of the meeting, but but understanding what the issues were so that they can look at it and see what, what they, as utility regulators in California, can do about it if, if a similar situation happens in the future. You know, Rob, I actually listened to some of that CPUC meeting this week, and one comment from the president of it that stood out to me, you know, she said that Eric just touched on it, but she said that the Public Utilities Commission, nor any of the state agencies that were there, actually regulate natural gas prices, saying that they're ultimately determined entirely by the market. So theoretically, then, what impact can these government bodies have when it comes to pricing? Well, there, I guess there are a couple of things on a big level. I guess the, uh, the state and the CPUC could look at re-regulating the energy industry as it uh, it was in California back in the 1990s. That would be a big lift. Then on the other hand, I guess you could take a look and see what the agencies like the CPUC could do to influence the market. You know, for example, if we're having problems getting natural gas into California and 90% of the uh, of the natural gas that goes into California it comes from outside the state, well, maybe you could theoretically think about maybe building more natural gas plants or try to encourage pipeline people to build new pipelines. Although I think that would be doubtful considering the uh, the state's commitment towards uh, trying to get to 100% clean energy by the year 2035 and 2045. And Eric, can you go back and remind us, you know, what led to the big jump in these natural gas prices? They've come down a little bit, but during that CPUC meeting, they said that California prices at the end of January were still 215% higher than the national benchmark. We heard some of it was a result of colder weather this winter, but that's not the only factor they say, right? Yeah. And as Rob pointed out earlier, uh, there was a major pipeline that funnels gas into Southern California that was down due to some uh, maintenance that needed to be done. So some of the supplies coming from outside of the region, and we do import 95% of our natural gas, but some of the supplies coming from outside of the region were interrupted. We had a long extended spell of cold weather, cold for California, and uh, people were using more natural gas. And, and that drove up uh, the price a little bit. And also, as they used more natural gas, it drew down the storage here in Southern California. You know, there was a little interesting aside, a little theme that kind of uh, bubbled up a little bit um, through the course of that hearing when utilities were talking about the supply of natural gas that was available. They, they referenced a couple of times the Aliso Canyon reservoir, an underground reservoir that had this massive natural gas leak uh, for months and months, uh, just a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, Southern California Gas paid you know more than a hundred million dollars to to compensate for that, and it was bad for for greenhouse gas emissions. And as a result of that incident, they restricted the amount of uh, natural gas that can be stored there, and they changed the protocols of how it gets in and out. And that they seem to hint might uh, that some of these new rules that were put in after the massive leak may have impacted their ability to store natural gas there, and they. 
seem to be suggesting that maybe loosening some of those rules to allow for more storage might be a thing that could in the future help keep the price down. In terms of impact here, we're hearing about some SDG&E bills that are hundreds of dollars above average. Rob, what's been done so far to, you know, maybe provide some relief to customers? And do you get any sense that it's helping? Well, there is something called the climate credit that is given out. It's distributed. You know, it's not paid out by the uh, California Public Utilities Commission. It's distributed through the state and it happens every single year. They give out one climate credit to natural gas customers once a year and two climate credits to electric customers once a year. What they decided to do, what the CPUC voted on very recently, was they decided to move up, expedite the timing of that of those credits. So gas customers will get a $43 deduction on their next billing cycle. And the electric customers will get $60 knocked off in March. And then that second electric credit That'll be done in the second half of next year. So that'll give people a little bit of a relief. I think even the CPUC president called that a Band-Aid fix for this situation. But, you know, we've heard that natural gas prices are dropping a little bit. Do you have any idea of what bills are expected to look like, you know, maybe this next cycle? Yeah, overall, the uh, natural gas prices, SDG&E estimates that they'll drop by about half. The commodity prices set by uh, or submitted by SoCal Gas each month, the first day of each month. And in January, it was sky high. In February, it was down about 68%. So they're thinking that it'll probably, for a typical customer, instead of paying $225 like they did in January, they'll pay about $110 in February. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. You're listening to KPBS Roundtable, and our guests this week are Eric Anderson from KPBS News and the Union Tribune's Rob Nicoleski. Let's talk a little bit about where our gas comes from. You know, at the California Public Utility Commission meeting this week, we heard that 95% of natural gas in Southern California comes from out of state. Eric, do we know how that factors into like the cost that customers ultimately see? Sure. Uh, As it is with some other things here in San Diego County, we're kind of at the end of the cul-de-sac, so to speak, when it comes to natural gas energy. We ship uh, a big chunk of our uh, natural gas from uh, the Colorado Rockies, uh, where they have a lot of fracking operations, and and they send it uh, to our region. We get some uh, from the Pacific Northwest as well, and and, uh, some of the other regions. But the big thing I think that adds cost even when there's no price pressure on it. But one thing that adds cost is moving that natural gas from a geographic location that's far away uh, here to San Diego where it gets used. And Rob, something that you touched on a little bit earlier, you reported that one key pipeline that's delivering this gas has been shut down, but it's going to be reopening soon. Do we know what effect that will have on, you know, maybe prices in the region? Yeah, that's line 2000. It's a pipeline that goes from the Permian Basin in West Texas and goes all the way to California. It's been down for about a year and a half because there was an explosion in a small rural town in Arizona that killed a couple of people. And it took a long time for them to get the line back up and running. And also they had to work with federal regulators to make sure everything was safe. 
And at that meeting the other day, it was announced that line would be back into service estimated for February 15th, so so pretty quickly. So the thought is that's going to add a little bit more supply. They didn't really, uh, none of the uh, officials from SoCal Gas at that meeting were able to put a dollar and cents figure on it, but they did say that it would help uh, this winter and also during the summertime uh, when things are going to get really hot and uh, and we're going to need every megawatt we can get in California. But Rob, Eric sort of touched on this earlier, mentioned that we were at the end of the proverbial, or I guess the actual pipeline, natural gas pipeline. But when it comes to storage for natural gas, it sounds like in Southern California, we just don't have a lot of it. Why is that the case? Well, the storage levels have been low. Uh, part of that is because of the weather. Another part of it that Eric touched upon was the Aliso Canyon uh, natural gas storage facility. It's at about 60% capacity because of that massive leak that ran in 20, late 2015 and 2016 and forced residents from the Porter Ranch area of Los Angeles to evacuate. There's been talk about bringing that back up from increasing that capacity to above 60%. Uh, and if that happens, then maybe that might be able to solve some of these problems as well. And Eric, on this being part of a larger regional issue on natural gas supply, what are some of the ultimate solutions that are being talked about here? And, and how realistic is it that they might actually happen? Well, in terms of solutions, I, I think the interesting thing for me is that uh, California has set itself on a path to uh, decarbonize the state. And one of the things that they're looking pretty hard at is uh, reducing the reliance on natural gas. So if the demand drops, it's just like anything else in an economy. Uh, if the demand for the product drops, of course, the price is going to drop as well. But as the state moves away, there's going to be this transitionary time period where we still need and rely and use natural gas because the, the transition is not going to happen overnight and it's going to involve a little bit of pain, I think, for, for both uh, individual residents and for big companies uh, that make their profit from, from natural gas. So I think it'll be interesting to watch moving forward what the state does in terms of decarbonizing how quickly, uh, you know, no new housing projects built in the state of California now can have natural gas in them. They're, they have to be electrified. So it's a, it's a movement away from something that we've been comfortable with. And, and I think as steps are taken in that direction, uh, you'll start to see some of the pressure uh, for natural gas delivery, uh, for natural gas prices to kind of ease a little bit. This discussion about natural gas, it doesn't just impact those bills, but also electric bills. It's maybe something people don't think a lot about, but at least two power companies want to raise electric rates. And Rob and Eric, feel free to jump in here too. Is that because natural gas is used to create you know, a good chunk of energy in our state? And can you kind of describe what the relationship is between these two energy sources? Natural gas is a major source of energy for California, it's the largest. It's not a majority, but it is a plurality if you take a look at the power mix. And for example, San Diego Gas and Electric relies on natural gas for production. It has, a, for example, a 500 megawatt combined cycle natural gas power plant called the Palomar Energy Center in Escondido. So that gives you an idea. When natural gas prices go up, they're not just going to affect natural gas customers, they're also going to affect electricity customers because a lot of the energy that's being produced is being produced by natural gas. Yeah. And I think that the the, the other situation that's 
kind of complicating, although a little bit difficult to sort out too, is sort of this incestuous relationship that the utilities here in San Diego County have. Southern California Gas is a Sempra subsidiary. San Diego Gas and Electric, also a Sempra subsidiary. A lot of the power plant projects that were built in in the last 10 or 15 years uh, have been natural gas power plants, which uh, creates um, electricity that the utilities buy, like San Diego Gas and Electric, and it creates a customer for Southern California Gas uh, because they need to supply the the natural gas um, to those power plant projects. The discussion has always been uh, renewable energy. How does that factor into the future energy picture? Is renewable energy capable of you know carrying the load? Has the the plan for storage of renewable uh, generated energy? caught up to the reality uh, of demand. So those are all questions I think that the the state's going to have to work through as it moves through to its future and and figures out exactly where natural gas fits into the equation when it comes to power in California. Well, Rob, you actually spoke to one analyst who referred to the recent price jump in natural gas as a scarcity pricing bubble and one that could happen again. What did he mean by that? And that was a gentleman from Northwest Energy Coalition, and he took part in the uh, the meeting earlier this week with the CPUC. And I'll just quote what he told me, or what, what he told at the, uh, the meeting. Quote, this is a Pacific and Western states regional problem. We have multi-billion dollar impacts. It could happen again. The root cause is not markets, though they have problems, but rather over-dependence on gas. So that's one of the issues here is, are we too reliant on gas? And um, it should be pointed out that the gentlemen of, from Northwest Energy Coalition, this is a green group, and they're trying to get rid of natural gas, and they have an interest in trying to eliminate natural gas from the systems. I just wanted to point that out in fairness. Well, along those lines, you sort of brought up that question about reliance on natural gas, and it sounds like at least 45% of the electricity we use for natural gas, but just generally when it comes to it, why are we so reliant on it? That's a really good question. And the big reason why is because wind and solar, the big renewable uh, energy uh, sources that we have are intermittent. So when the sun doesn't shine, we don't have solar. We have a lot of it when the sun shines. In fact, we we in California generate so much solar energy during the day that sometimes we have to essentially give it away. And also when the wind doesn't blow, we're not able to get any megawattage from, from wind. So what you need is you need something to fill in the gaps. And natural gas works as that stop gap measure. Now, looking down the road, the thought is that we'll be able to replace natural gas, something like battery storage, things like that, to to make up that difference, to fill in those gaps. But right now, A, we don't have enough battery storage, even though we're adding more into the system. And B, battery storage is more expensive than conventional storage. But that's the nub of the problem right there. And Eric, anything to add here? Well, I think that if you look back just a few few years, you can see just how much the energy picture in California has changed. we used to have a very big power generating nuclear station in northern San Diego County that generated a lot of power for the region. It was 24-hour power on around the clock when it was running. 
if you think back to the South Bay Power Plant, um, which sat on San Diego Bay in the southern part of the county before it was torn down, that was a baseline power producer. They could run that plant all the time, and it would produce energy all the time. And I think that the mix of energy that we're going to be relying on in the future is a little bit different than that. And the system is taking some time to kind of adjust to what those changes are. But if you listen to people who have argued against the construction of natural gas plants in the last decade, you know, they all think that uh, there is the possibility that renewable energy like solar and wind and other things will be able to, to, to meet that demand at some point. It's just, I don't quite think there yet. Well, we know that state officials are certainly pushing for that toward more of those green energy solutions. But Eric and Rob, before we go here, any quick final thoughts or, or anything else you guys are looking for? You know, we talked about this before we had you on Roundtable, but where is this all going? I think the interesting thing to watch here is what happens with the investigations by FERC. They can look at the markets. They can decide exactly what was going on there. Um, and I think they have the kind of expertise that's required to kind of pull that apart in such a way that that they understand exactly what happened. And if there are any bad actors uh, that were profiting, uh, I think they'll be able to find it. But it's going to take a little time for them to do. Yeah, from a 50,000-foot view, I think this is touching on some a number of things that you know Eric and I have been talking about you know for the last few minutes here is that this California energy transition is going to be complicated it's going to be complex and the one thing that I keep going back to is reliability because yes prices spiked and they are really high and people are understandably upset there were protesters in front of SDG&E's building this week but People are going to be really upset if they switch on the lights. They think they're going to switch on the lights and the lights don't come on. And there's a reason why Gavin Newsom, who back in 2016 led the charge to shut down Diablo Canyons as the last remaining nuclear power plant in California, but then did an about face in 2022. This is 2023 now. But there's a reason why he did that. And that was because there were concerns about reliability. We're making this transition. We're not there yet, and making this transition is going to be tough. And I think that anyone who says this is going to be a clean and easy transition, I think um, you know maybe they're right. But I, if I were a betting man, I, w- I would think that it's not. And as long as we've got higher prices and prices, as Eric mentioned, are, have every indication going up higher, you're going to get more tension. You're going to get more anger from people and the California policymakers. And the energy companies and the energy officials in the state have their work cut out for them. We're going to have to end it there for this week's edition of KPBS Roundtable. We could go on for much longer. I want to thank our guests so much, Eric Anderson from KPBS News and the San Diego Union Tribune's Rob Nicoleski. Be sure to stream our show anytime as a podcast. Roundtable is produced by Andrew Bracken and Rebecca Chacon is our technical director. I'm your host, Matt Hoffman. Thanks so much for being here with us and have a great weekend. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.